2: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Is this thing recording? Oh, it is. Good. Well, better late than never. Welcome. Hello.
4: It's my Fucking
3: oh. oh. Anton Lander.
5: I like, really like the backup car. Let's go, baby! Yeah! Make milk. Uh-huh. This is Cesus. Is it? Cesus. Hello. Ceasus. Oh. Cesus. How are you, Olympic? This is so fucking sexy. Yeah! yeah. Cesus.
3: Fucking Anton Lander. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. It is my favorite. This is
0: so
6: fucking sexy.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Welcome, everybody. Oilers Nation Radio. Oh, wait. Wrong podcast. Lols. It's better late than never. I'm Bag Milk here in the Studio 93 down in my basement, and I'm welcoming you to what will be a very busy show. I'm on a timeline here. Got to make sure I get this podcast recorded, edited, out before the Oilers game starts at 5.30 Mountain Time, as it is starting right now. It is 3.40. I think I can do this. I think I can do this first, I got to say thank you, as always, to the audio department for being the title sponsor of the podcast. The audio department works to create a safe space for creativity and collaboration for artists and musicians to realize their potential and share their message through sound and story. Theaudiodepartment.ca. They're located right here in Edmonton, 6916 82nd Avenue, Edmonton, Alberta. Welcome again to Better Late Than Ever. This is episode... I don't really keep track of these things anymore. I know that when I upload it into the podcast distribution platform that it will tell me what episode it is. I'll be grateful then, but right now, I'm all jacked up on caffeine. I was watching the World Cup all day. Where do we get started? First, I'm going to start with the question of the week. What is your favorite gadget? What's your favorite toy? It doesn't have to be an expensive thing. That's not what we're getting at here, but what I want to know is what's something that you have in your house that you just love? Here's the example. Here's why this question came to me this week. I... Last summer, did some math and bought myself an ice maker. It wasn't expensive. We're talking like $100, right? So I'm like, well, I think that if, you know, if a bag of ice is $4, I don't really have any ice trays and I don't have an ice thingy bob on my freezer. By the way, did anybody else grow up thinking that an ice machine on your fridge was like the most luxurious thing a person could have? Because I did. My sister always had one at her house and I've always been jealous of her. Always, but now I got my own ice maker, so I'm not gonna worry about it. So anyway, my girlfriend loves to drink a pop. She loves a Coca Cola on a warm summer evening or a very cold winter evening. It really doesn't matter. She just likes to have a Coke from time to time. So I'm not a big pop drinker, generally speaking. But I had some in my fridge because she's been here for a while, or she uh, she comes and hangs out basically all weekend. So I always have some stocked up in the fridge for. Last night I just decided I was like, you know what. I haven't had a pop in a while, but if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. I want to drink it out of the can. No, 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 friends. I want a glass full of ice. So fired up the old ice maker because I have one. Humble brag. And I ended up having just like a really delicious drink. Really sugary. Got me all jacked up. But it made me think, what kind of toys do you have in your house? What are the things that you like? I also recently I bought this like little handheld guitar amp. Plugs into your guitar. You plug headphones into it. Nobody can hear you playing, but you get to hear some, you know, you get to hear some distortion or some gain or whatever you want in the headphones. It's kind of cool. I like toys like that. And I like knowing what you like. So when I asked this on Twitter, Sassy Shares says, I have two. My Santuco knife and my KitchenAid mixer. The KitchenAid stand mixer is a gourd send when making whipped shortbread cookies at Christmas. The Santuco knife is my go-to for chopping almost everything. See, that's one thing that I've never... Really considered? What kind of knives do you have at your house? What kind of knives do you have? spend a lot of money on knives? Because I didn't. When I moved out of my dad's place, I think I was like 21, and I bought a knife set for the cheapest Canadian tire had available at the time. I still have those today. So that's 16 years later. I have not spent any extra money on knives. Probably should. Maybe like a good chef's knife. Maybe like a fucking... What are those things called? (laughs) What are those things called? You know what I'm talking about. The gavely looking things. (laughs) Shows how much I cook. Anyway, I just love knowing what you guys have got going on in your houses. Mike has a beauty. Mike uh, sent me this and it is a, let's see if I can get the brand name on this, El Paso Chile Company Quesadilla Maker. It looks like a George Foreman grill. Uh, I also have a George Foreman grill. I bought one of those when I moved out again, when I was 21 fucking best, you know, what sold me on it, the infomercial, if I could afford to buy showtime rotisserie back then when I was 21 and I used to watch a lot of infomercials, I'd have one of those too, but I don't, but back to the, back to the quesadilla maker, this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's like those useless one job only things that we all have in our house, but you just love it. You just love it. Uh, Rev Recluse. He sent me a a video to those fake hairsprays that you used to see back in the 90s. They never worked, but I was always curious about that. Like, what? I've got some hair on my arms. What happens if I sprayed that shit on my arm? Would I just have like a glorious head of locks or like gooey locks on my arm? I don't know. I imagine we're going to get some more of these in the voicemail a little bit later. But if you're missing this, if you're just hearing it for the first time, I want to know what's cool in your house. Maybe it's a kitchen thing. Maybe it's a bathroom thing. Maybe it's something you have in your office. I love playing with Rubik's cubes. One of the things that I did during the pandemic was I learned how to solve a Rubik's cube. Right beside me on my desk, Rubik's cube. Is that cool to you? I don't know. Might be. What's cool to a lot of people though right now is the World Cup. Unfortunately, Canada just lost to Belgium, one nothing. I didn't realize that Belgium was one of the best the, uh, best teams in the tournament. Ranked second overall. So to me... The fact that Canada laid the boots to him most of the game but just couldn't get anything to go, that's a win, isn't it? Yeah! Ah! Lil John thinks so. I tend to think so. The thing I like about the World Cup is this is legitimately the only time, the only sporting event, really, where everyone gets involved. Everybody. You know how Americans like to think that the Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event on Earth and, you know, like, Rihanna's going to be there and everybody gets all excited? The World Cup is actually that. It's what they think the Super Bowl actually is, where just everybody's in it. And it reminds me just how crazy it is that it's in Qatar right now. I don't know if you've watched the FIFA documentary on Netflix that's going on or going around. It just got loaded right before the World Cup. It is not overly flattering to Sepp Blatter and just the general organization. If you're looking for something to watch, if you love sports documentaries, check that one out. It's FIFA exposed, something like that on Netflix. But anyway, I had a great time. Woke up early this morning. I watched Spain just absolutely demolish, uh, Costa Rica, somebody like that. Anyway, World Cup's fine. I'm not a big soccer guy, but I did enjoy the Canada game. I'm sad for the boys because I thought they played really well. Probably deserved a better fate. That's sports, baby. That's sports. Uh, Before we move on from the question of the week to get into some Oilers stuff, I wanted to run through, because I was talking about just random toys and knickknacks and things that you may have in your house, some of the most successful infomercials of all time. I used to be a big infomercial guy when I was growing up. You know the ones I'm talking about. It's like 11 o'clock at night. You turn it on to TBS or whatever that fucking station's called these days, and you just start watching TV to see what's on there. Well... The 10 most successful infomercials based on sales from the 90s. I got the list up for you. Number 10, the Thigh Master. How, how, how many of you own a Thigh Master? How many of you own a Thigh Master? Sweating to the oldies with Richard Simmons. I never really understood those. Like, why are we sweating to the oldies? What oldies? And you know, the thing that probably hurts me now, if I got sweating to the oldies, like a 2022 edition, it would probably be bands that I grew up liking in high school. And it would just hurt my feelings. I'm not buying that shit. Number eight, a Snuggie. I had a Snuggie. I had a Snuggie at my dad's place. I bought it for him as a joke gift for Christmas one time. I ended up using it all the time. Snuggies rule. Snuggies rule. Uh, The Ped Egg. The Ped Egg? A glorified cheese grater for the bottom of one's feet. Ew. Gross. Purchased over 40 million pet eggs sold to date of this posting. Oh my lord. Never even heard of this thing. The Total Gym by Chuck Norris from 1998. I don't know what that is, but I imagine it's going to be great. Ah, here's my dude. Number five, the Showtime Rotisserie. The Ronco Showtime Rotisserie barbecue. You said it, and forget it. Uh, Sales for the Showtime Rotisserie have amassed a whopping $1.2 billion. Oh my God, in 2005, Ron Paul Pale sold Ronco for $55 million. Oh my, Showtime rotisserie for life. Number four, the Bowflex. How many of you have a buddy with a Bowflex in their basement because they thought they were going to get jacked? I know two people with Bowflexes in their basement, both of whom have clothes on those right now little storage, little expensive storage that you could get jacked with. Number three, the George Foreman grill. Again, I have one of those. It's awesome. Uh, number two, P90X. That was just, I'm too, I'm too tired for that. I'm too tired for that. Most successful infomercial of all time. I'm going to see if I have a sound effect to see if you can guess it. Can you guess it? I know I have a sound effect. Where is it? Where is it? Here we go. Proactive. Nobody wants to have zits. I know some people that went on proactive when I was in high school. I don't know if the formula has changed. I imagine it has in the last 20 years, but let me tell you something. The dryness of that guy's skin at the time, I'm not saying it's often proactive. I'm no doctor, but what I am saying is he didn't look real good. He didn't look real good. You know, he did not get look real good. And, uh, yeah, where she goes sometimes. Way she goes sometimes. Uh, Getting back to the Oilers, let's look at the record since we last recorded last Wednesday. And I can tell you, it's probably mediocre. It is mediocre. Unfortunately, last Wednesday, they had a game against the Kings. It did not go well. Only two games last week, so we had three games since the last recording, better late than never. I'm just, again... The Kings game did not go well. 3-1 Kings. Much better effort on Saturday night against the Vegas Golden Knights. Ended up picking up a 4-3 win in OT. Connor McDavid, absolute beauty for the winner. Monday, New Jersey, just dog shit. Just dog shit. And one of the things that I'm really noticing with this team right now is that the depth scoring that we all thought was kind of, at least hoped, would be solved at this stage, given some progression from some people and just generally better depth. The depth scoring is still not there. It is still not there. And it's a problem because right now the Oilers are spinning their tires. We knew, or at least you should have known. I was saying it on Oilers Nation radio. Nobody wanted to listen to me. Connor and Leon were bound to come down to earth a little bit. A little bit. Connor has 35 points in 19 games. Leon has 31 points in 19 games. So come down to earth a little bit. They weren't going to do two points a game all season. Right? So when that happened... They needed some other guys to lift them up in both the goal scoring and assist department. Well, thankfully for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's at nine goals so far. So is Zach Hyman next up though. Evander Kane, as we know, he hasn't played in a minute and he's not going to be playing for a longer minute. So that is the guy in fifth place right now with goals. And then it is Tyson Berry, Darnell nurse and Ryan McLeod. We need more goals. We need guys to start chipping in. So here's who I'm looking at. And this isn't me saying I don't like them. So stop it. If you're listening to this right now, wherever you are, stop it. No. Take, slap your hand on the wrist. Ryan McLeod. Love him to death. We need more goals out of him. The guy's got all kinds of wheels. And he's got all kinds of skill. And he's got all kinds of tools in that toolkit of his that make him a threat on a nightly basis. What we need for Ryan McLeod is a little bit of good luck. Just like what happened to Warren Fogle. Warren Fogel's only got three goals in the year, but those have come since, you know, since the team was in, in Tampa Bay a couple of weeks ago. Just two weeks ago. So he scored his first against Tampa Bay. That was on the eighth. Then he got another one against Florida. And he got another one against Vegas on Saturday. So uh, Warren Fogel started to pick it up. We need more guys to follow suit. More guys to be like Warren Fogel. Like I'm looking at Yassa garvey I appreciate the underlying numbers. I do. I appreciate the defensive skill. I appreciate the way that he is a dirty little puck thief out there. But let me tell you something. We need guys to score goals. As much as I love an XGF, as much as the next person, yes, as a guy who needs to score. Evan Bouchard, he's been taking a lot of criticism lately. He has no goals yet on the season. He needs to score right? He desperately needs one because he is clutching. He's gripping the stick like mighty tight. I bet if he had no gloves on, he is white knuckling that baby. That's just not his game. He doesn't look as calm and as fluid with the puck. He needs something good to happen. Kayler Yamamoto, he has no goals. I know he's hurt right now, so he's not playing, but when he comes back, whenever that happens to be, We need goals from Yamo. He's gonna get time in that least in the top nine, probably in the top six. We need him to contribute. Dylan Holloway, I've got a million years for Dylan Holloway. I've got all kinds of runway and leash for this kid, but again, zero goals. Devin Shore, 16 games played, zero goals. Matthias Yanmark, he's only played five games, zero goals. Clem Coston, zero goals. We need more people on the board. We can't have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players with zero goals. There are ten players with zero goals. We just can't have it. We need depth scoring. It can't be all Connor. It can't be all Leon. And bless his heart, it can't be all Nuge. Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman, they're the first two up behind the dynamic duo. And well, that's where they probably should be in the grand scheme of things. Vander can't include it in there if he wasn't hurt. The rest of the pack. I don't think it's great when you've got four forwards leading the pack in terms of goals, and then you got, you know, two defensemen next up. I know Barry and, and Nurse are expected to produce some points, but I think we need more because after Darnell Nurse, he's got 11 points. He's got three goals, eight assists on the year. Tyson Barry's got three goals, nine assists for 12 points. So after those two, it drops off to six points for Evan Bouchard. No goals. Five points for Ryan McLeod. Three goals, two assists, but he hasn't scored a minute. Warren Fogle's got three goals and an assist for four points. Uh, yes, Pugliarvi's got one and three. Derek Ryan's got two goals, one assist. Brett Kulak, three points, no goals. Ryan Murray, three points, no goals. Keller Yamamoto, three points, no goals. Dylan Holloway, two points, no goals. You get where I'm going with this. I don't know necessarily what the answer is apart from getting greasier, apart from getting themselves into scoring areas where they're just going to find some success. Look at Zach Hyman. I beg you. I beg you all to watch Zach Hyman play and tell me that wouldn't work for more guys on this roster. Think about it. He just plants himself in front of the net sometimes, refuses to move. He won't take no for an answer. He'll stand there. He will hack away. He will just be annoying in the crease and chances are if the puck comes near him he's going to get it he is relentless and the thing I like about that is it's not a complicated game that he's playing it's a product of effort I think more people need to do what Zach Hyman is doing and let's just get greasy let's just simplify the game a little bit you know Let's just simplify the game a little bit. As for somebody who is going right now, I just said, Connor McDavid. It doesn't really get much better than 16 goals, 19 assists, 35 points in 19 games. The guy is almost scoring at a goal per game clip. It's ridiculous the start of the year he's having. When asked about Connor McDavid, his boy, Leon Dreisiedel, this is what he had to say. I'm curious,
7: from you've been around him his whole career, like what have you seen? What type of leader has he now? And have you seen that maturation? Uh, yeah, he's. I think he's grown a lot in the vocal department. Um, you know, he's naturally not not the loudest guy. Um, obviously, he he does a lot of his leadership in terms of, you know, his work ethic and, and the way he leads on the ice. But I think over the last couple of years, he's really developed a vocal voice uh, or a vocal uh, type of le- leadership in, in the room as well. So um yeah he's obviously our our heartbeat so we go we go as he goes
3: we go as he goes and let me tell you he's going so we need everybody else going too. can't just be Leon can't just be Nuge can't just be Zach Hyman it's not I'm not saying guys aren't working hard but they need to simplify the game a little bit because Connor and Leon need help and Nuge Nuge needs help too We'll see what we get tonight against the Islanders. I'm not going to do a whole lot against the Islanders because the game by the time I post this is going to be on. So I'm not going to worry about it too much. I'm just going to tell you it's probably going to be a 4-2 win for the Edmonton Oilers. You know it's going to be. You know it's going to be. Frank picked the Oilers, by the way, to win in case you are a fan of Frank's Picks. Of course, if you go on to the link tree in my bio and my socials, go to the Frank's Picks store. 100% of the profits from those clothes going to the Edmonton Humane Society. I'm trying to raise a thousand bucks this year. So help me get there. I would be very, very grateful. But until then, it is time to get to the news. The news is brought to you by the audio department. Check them out at theaudiodepartment.ca. Let's stay up to date. Let's do it together. See what's going on. Again, I mentioned the record since the last episode of Better Late Than Never is one and two. Not great. Regulation losses too. That also sucks. So, what's happened? Well, I'm going to start with the loss to New Jersey because it started off so well. The Oilers started that game really well, really, really well. I thought it was honestly one of the best first periods of the season and it happened on the road against a very good team from there. The attention to detail just kind of fell off. And when you're playing a team that is as close to perfection right now as the New Jersey devils are, you have to limit your mistakes. And while the Oilers didn't do a horrible job of that, too many mistakes ended up in the net. Stuart Skinner, he made the gaff on the second goal. He knows it. We all know it. I don't need to dive into it too, too much. I kind of had Mike Smith flashbacks. Um, And then there was just giveaways at the blue lines. There was giveaways underneath the blue line, like around the goal line, I should say, below the circles. That shit drives me crazy. And unfortunately, the Oilers lost, and they deserve to lose. 5-2 Jersey on Monday. Continued the trend of win one, lose one, win one, lose one. They are consistently inconsistent. It's driving me crazy. So after the game, after that loss, Jay Woodcroft was asked what he sees. And man, he and I are on the same page again.
5: Well, I thought we started the game uh, fairly, fairly well. I mean, we we let a goal in on the first penalty kill, but um, you know, we outshot, we outchanced uh, the other team in the first period. We made it one-one hockey game. We had chances to go ahead. We didn't find that that next goal. And then, you know, I thought there were there were just some self-inflicted errors that we have to clean up uh, in our game. Um, And when you play a team that's on the role that they're on. You know, they make you pay for those individual errors. And uh, we were made to pay tonight on on some of our mistakes.
3: Exactly. Made to pay on some of their mistakes. The Oilers started off like a house on fire. They just can't keep it going for 60 minutes, which was frustrating because they did against the Vegas Golden Knights just a couple of days earlier to get back in the win column in the first place. We'll see. Uh, The other news that came out of that game outside of the loss is our boy, Jack Campbell is like, what can you say about Jack Campbell right now? The universe is against him. He just signed a big ticket deal, with the Oilers in the offseason. People were criticizing it because he can be inconsistent. We weren't really worried about it at the time, but ultimately he started off the season poorly. It's not the way he wants to, he's not the start he envisioned. I'll just put it that way. I mean, yeah, he was picking up some wins, but also the Oilers were scoring a ton of goals to make it happen In 10 starts, Jack Campbell is 6-4. Again, not horrible, but he's got a 4.27 goals against and an 8.73 save percentage. So, I mean, uh, uh, there's not a whole lot of good going on there. What I didn't expect, though, was that Jack Campbell would be sitting on the bench behind Stuart Skinner. Stu's deserved the starts, even with the mistakes against New Jersey. I didn't expect Jack Campbell to be sitting there on the bench and take a puck to the face and bust his nose. Um. It's like anything that can go wrong for this guy right now, it is going wrong. And thankfully, he only has a broken nose. Because when it happened and on the broadcast, TD Force, who is the other's trainer, was holding up a towel right to his eye. And I was like, oh no, did that hit Talbot? I was going to call him Talbot. Did that hit Campbell right in the eye? It couldn't be any worse luck this guy has right now. If he didn't have bad luck, he would have no luck. He's not getting puck luck. He's getting pucks to the face. All kinds of jokes came on about how he tried to save it with his glove hand and he missed and it hit him in the face. It was just like, not what he needs, you know? It's just not what he needs. Emotional damage! Wow, that was very loud. I gotta turn that sound effect down. Um, But Jack Campbell, thankfully, again, he was okay. But, uh, man, I I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. It was a rough one for Jack Campbell. And again, thankfully, he's okay. The funny part, though, the E-Bug had to come out, not on the ice, but had to get dressed. And there is nothing funnier than when the E-Bug is getting dressed because they've always got that look of panic on their face. Like they're like, oh, no, there's no way I'm actually going in here, am I? There's no possible way I'm going into this game. I just cannot possibly imagine a scenario where I'm going into this game. If you go to Gene Principe's Twitter account at Gene Principe, George Blinnick was the emergency goalie after Campbell went out. And he's got this look of he's got this look of bewilderment on his face as he's walking down the hallway. And the oilers are making him up a jersey. And it's just This guy's like, I'm not gonna play. There's no way I'm gonna play. There's no way I'm gonna play. No, 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 no. <laughs> just kidding, we're not gonna boom. But it was one of those ones where could you imagine you're an e-bug and you're at the game and you're just like, I'm just happy to be here. I get to watch this game for free. That's pretty dope. I play Div three men's hockey somewhere else. And then you get called to get dressed because one of the goalies on the bench went down. Oh, man. Given the way that the Oilers were losing that game, I honestly wouldn't have minded. It would have been more entertaining than what actually happened, to be honest. You know? Probably. Anyway, we'll see what happens with Jack Campbell's busted nose. All I know is it's a little bit wider than it normally is. He has got some swelling in there. And if you listen to Oilers Nation radio yesterday, we learned, Dan brought it up, and I confirmed it while a post from the UFC. If he had blown his nose after taking that puck to the eye, or the nose, his eyes would have swollen up like balloons. I didn't know that was a thing. Don't blow your nose once you've got a broken nose, okay? I think that's what we're learning. That is what we're learning. I don't think it's a great piece of advice, but it is something you should probably keep in your pocket. Let's go, baby another uh, news: I still think Dylan Holloway needs to go back. I just do you know i I'm looking at a guy who's got all kinds of talent and I'm looking at a guy who's got all kinds of promise, but in 15 games played, he's still only got uh you know he's still only got two assists. he's just not playing a whole lot of minutes, and I can't you can't convince me that having him play sub 10 minutes in four of his last five games is what's best for his development. When asked about uh, Dylan Holloway the other day, Jay Woodcroft, of course he's positive, so I don't expect him to say anything else, but he's played 12 games this year. So this was, a of, this was a couple of days ago he was asked about it. Dylan's played 12 games this year and 33 games last year after coming back from wrist surgery in Bakersfield. So he hasn't even played a full season of professional hockey. You have to exercise patience. And what I'm saying, I am exercising patience. I am doing that. I am believing in this kid, but understanding that having him play big minutes down in the Bakersfield, down with the Bakersfield Condors and his future teammates like Xavier Borgo or Raphael Lavoie or anybody in between there is probably going to be best for his development overall. I just believe it. And I don't, think that you're going to convince me otherwise. Unless he turns things around and just starts going on a heater of all heaters, I just, I can't buy it. I just cannot buy it. And... We'll see what happens. I'd love to be wrong. I'll put it that way. I would love to be wrong. Uh, Another thing that happened, there was a great quote from uh, Mark Spector this week after Cleam Costin got recalled to the Oilers from the Bakersfield Condors. Uh, This is from Mark Spector, and I quote, when Cleem Costin's agent told him he had been traded to Edmonton, the first call he made was to childhood friend Dmitry Samarikov. Hey, Sammy, I'm coming to town. Unfortunately, as we know, so Morikov is the player going the other way to St. Louis. I just thought it was kind of funny. Like two Russian players are like, hey, we got to play together. Like, that's so cool. We've been friends for a while. And I love it. Oh, we got traded for each other. <laughs> uh, shit, I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, it's just one of those small world stories. And uh, first of all, what is what's the likelihood of two childhood friends making the NHL in the first place, let alone getting traded for each other, you know? <laughs> i didn't mean to push that but i just i just took the applause anyway I just took the applause anyway. Uh, the other thing that happened last week after we recorded was that the Oilers play, the Oilers played for the first time in their reverse retro jerseys. They were a throwback to the Todd McFarlane design, the gear design with the five sprockets on the front. I liked those jerseys at the time. I still like them now. I do not like the reverse retros. I don't hate them. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate them, but I won't buy one. And I think the reason that I won't buy one is because... They tried to crowbar the orange in it. I don't think those jerseys needed the orange. The accents on the arms and back, the accent in the logo itself, I just don't think they needed to do it. It's one of those ones where, like, the Oilers just, they're so obsessed with orange sometimes. And we get it. Your colors are blue and orange. We get it. I understand that is what you run with, but, like, you don't have to crowbar it into everything, do you? I don't think so. Then again, it just could be me complaining for no reason. Maybe you loved it. My boy Waz got himself a Ryan Nugent Hopkins reverse retro. I think he looked great in it. That was a birthday present he deserved to buy for himself. I love it. So if you love it, I'm happy for you. Just for me, I wish they didn't try and crowbar the orange in there because I thought the jerseys were nice enough as they were. Right? Good. Baba Bowie. In other NHL news, a couple of things I want to touch on today. Ryan Reeves was traded from the New York Rangers to the Minnesota Wild for a 2025 fifth-round pick. We talked about this yesterday on Oilers Nation Radio because a lot of people are talking about team toughness, and obviously Ryan Reeves is one as tough as they get. So the thing that I wanted to mention, though, is swagger. Another thing we talked about on Oilers Nation Radio yesterday, if you haven't heard it, was a team having swagger. A guy like Evander Kane gives swagger the Oilers swagger. Not only is he good, but he's tough and he backs it up with goals. That is what I think they need. They just need a little bit more of, you're not fucking with us because we will bring it right back to you. I think this team needs more of that. I don't necessarily think they need a fighter, but they need more of that swagger. So the reason this sticks out to me is after the trade went through, after Minnesota acquired Ryan Reeves, who wasn't playing a whole lot in New York, GM Bill Guerin, former Oilers, GM Bill Guerin said, It's not for the fighting. He is a big, big personality. He's got a lot of energy. He's got swagger, and we've been missing that. The energy he brings is really good and size. He's going to help us get our identity back. Think about that for a sec. I know what the analytics say on guys like this. I know what they say. But there are also parts of hockey that are completely unmeasurable on a spreadsheet or in black and white. And... While I don't know Ryan Reeves from a hole in the wall, I don't know anything about him outside of him being just an absolute unit. What I do know is that when an NHL GM, a former player, a guy who has won a Stanley Cup, says that you need some of this, I tend to listen. So when you think back to the Edmonton Oilers, who brings the swagger on this team? Connor, Leon, no doubt. That is their offensive swagger. There's nobody better at putting the puck in the net than those two. But what about on the physical side? What about just calming things down? And again, I'm not talking about fighting. Like when Alex Edler, that cheap shot on Connor McDavid, he should have absolutely been suspended for that, by the way. When Darnell Nurse flew in there to tune him up, I loved it. Fortunately for Edler, the linesman jumped in, saved his life, but shouldn't be up to Darnell Nurse to be the only one that can do it with Kane out of the lineup. Who else do they got? I'm not even talking about fighting either. I'm just talking about guys who calm things down, let the other team know that if they're running around, there will be consequences. I think the others need that. I don't know that it's a guy like Ryan Reeves, that who's just a guy who's going to fight for you. I'd rather have, do you remember uh, Chris Neal from back in the day with the with the Senators? I'm talking about young Chris Neal. Forget about the Jersey retirement and the Sens taking shit for doing that. Like, I don't get it. You can retire whoever you want. I don't care. When Chris Neal was at his best, he was a guy who could chip in with some offense and he was a guy that could dummy you if you got out of control. Man, would I love that on the Oilers. Another guy I'd love on the Oilers is Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr just set a NHL record for the fastest defenseman to ever hit 200 points. He just hit 200 points in 195 games. That guy is an absolute stud. Before that, it was Sergei Zubov, who, by the way, uh, uh, he got 200 points in 207 games, by the way, Sergei Zubov used to ruin my dreams. He used to haunt me when the Oilers would play the stars all the time. And now I fear that Kale McCarr is going to be that guy too. So looking around the NHL, there's stuff happening over at dailyfaceoff.com. Frank Saravalli put out his trade bait list. Ryan Reeves was number 18 on that list. He's already gone. Bo Horvat's on there. Patrick Kane's on there. Jonathan Taves is on there. There's a whole bunch of guys on there some of which I think the Oilers need, some of which I think could help around here. Whether or not that actually happens, who knows? We tend to hope for trades in November and nothing really happens for the most part until the new year. So chances are we're going to be waiting for the Oilers to pull themselves out of it. And if they don't, well, I don't know what they're going to do because they don't have a coaching fire to turn things around like last year, what happened with Dave Tippett. I don't think it'll get that far. I really, really don't. But at the end of the day, It's going to be up to the players to prove me wrong, or prove me right, I guess, right? That's where we'll wrap up the news. The News! Don't you love being up to date? And now you're up to date. You're listening to Best Never. What you need to do
6: is leave a nice little review. Like and subscribe.
1: Next. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: For our friends at Betway, I want to talk a little bit about betting. There's one today for tonight's game against the New York Islanders. And I know I don't want to talk about it too, too much. But what I do want to talk about is encouraging you to look for the Betway-boosted bets for a game. Tonight, I feel really good about this one. I feel like it's going to be cash in my jeans. I feel like it's going to be turning my betting game around. The thing about betting on the Oilers is when the team is spinning their wheels like they are right now, it can be tough. It can be really tough to get on a roll of any kind, and you can easily slide the other way. But bets like this one, I truly believe are going to help me turn this around. Tonight, against the New York Islanders, Betway has a boosted bet of Connor McDavid to score anytime. Seems likely, since he's almost had a goal per game. And the Edmonton Oilers to win. Regulation, overtime, doesn't matter. They just need to win and Connor needs to score. That seems like giving money to me, doesn't it? Doesn't that seem like just cash in your your jeans? Other things that I'm looking at tonight, Oilers over one and a half total power play goals against the Islanders. That is plus 110. For the most part, those have been doing really, really well. Either the Oilers score them on their own or they're giving up power play goals like crazy. So if you're feeling a little freaky, if you want a couple extra shekels, check out our friends at Betway, specifically the boosted bet. like Connor to score and the Oilers to win plus 300. Come on! Everything to like about that one. There is so, so much to like about that one. But that leads me into everybody's favorite feature, the righteous sack beating. You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man.
6: Kick me in the jimmy.
3: For Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, the righteous sack beating sponsor we're going to get into a little bit of traffic talk. But first, I want to tell you that Trilogy Oilfield Rentals are an established provider of oil field rental tools, full-time operating units in Provost, Weyburn, and Kindersley. They also provide seasonal and project-specific stations at Fort St. John, Fort McMurray, Lacklebish, and others as customers require. Rental tools, fishing tools, coil tools, drilling tools, you name it, they have got the tool you need for your job. Right? Right. What is What am I annoyed about this week? Well, let me tell you. I don't know if you know this, but when you look outside, if you live in Edmonton, there's snow on the ground. What does that mean, bag milk? There's always snow on the ground in the winter. Well, I'll tell you what it means is we need to work together while we're driving. We need to work together while we're driving. We don't need to be in rushes. We need to give ourselves a little bit of extra time. All of that is working. We need it to be working to get to where we need to be safely. We need to get there on time. It's going to take a little bit longer because, damn it, it's slippery at times, especially on days like today. It's plus four and it's going to go down below zero and then up and then down and up and down. It's going to get icy. The thing that really bothers me, though, is especially at this time of the year, when people are not courteous to each other. And now, I don't like when people don't wave anyway. I'm a big waver. I'm a big, big waiver. If you let me merge in front of you in traffic, picture this, you see the beautiful blue Alfa Romeo Stelvio that I'm driving right now, courtesy of our folks at Alfa Romeo of Edmonton. You see me coming up alongside you. You notice that I'm in a merge lane and I've got my signal light on. You let me in. I guarantee, doesn't matter what time of day it is, I'm going to wave at you. If you can't see me because the back window of that beautiful car is tinted, I'm going to stick my hand out the window. If it's late at night, I'm going to flash the four ways at you. I want you to know that I appreciate the gesture. So, When you don't wave, when I let you merge or you merge in front of somebody else, I don't care if we're talking about a merge lane onto the white mud, a zipper merge, or any merge in between. If you do not wave to the person that let you in, it drives me crazy to the nth degree. And there's two things I think should happen. One, you should have your license taken away just out of courtesy. We'll have only courteous drivers on the road, and I think the world would be a better place for it. Number two, I should be allowed to ram you with my car. Sure, you may think that's drastic. You may think that that's too much just because you didn't wave at me for letting you merge, but I think that courtesy on the road, especially now when things are slippery in the winter, is of the utmost importance. And if you don't let me merge, or you merge and uh, don't wave, well, I've got beef with you. Just so you know, I will take notes on your car. And if I see it again, I may not let you merge. It's cold in these streets. We need to be friendly to each other. And if you're not being friendly to each other, well, you need to reevaluate your priorities. It takes two seconds to wave to somebody. It probably makes them happy. You can't do that? Probably a shithead. And we will never go out for delicious double-doubles together. No, 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 no. I'm not sharing a coffee with you. I'm not sharing a laugh with you. Because chances are, you're not going to find any of this shit funny anyway. So there you go. Wave to people when they let you merge in traffic. It's just common courtesy, for fuck's sakes. You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a man. Kick me in the jimmy. For Trilogy Oilfield Rentals, I've got a guest righteous sack beating this week coming in from Chandler. Chandler, what's pissing you off?
5: All right. So righteous sack beating in two parts. I'll try to make this quick. First of all, Alex Edler for that dirty knee-on-knee hit. That was ridiculous.
3: Oh, 100%. Like, I'm so annoyed by it. And the NHL is just like, hey, this guy that's done it before, he literally needs Zach Hyman. Put Zach Hyman out for two months. He got two games for it. That was two years ago. He got tuned up by Wayne Simmons. He did it again, this time to the best player on earth, the one that sells the jerseys, the one that sells the tickets, the one that, even though we're in New York tonight playing the Islanders, Islanders fans are there to see. He knees Connor McDavid. Nothing happens. It drives me crazy what this league is doing. Chandler, I cut you off.
5: There's no place in this game for those dirty knee-on-knee hits. Edler has previous history. He needs to be suspended, and he's not going to be because you know, the Department of Player Safety doesn't give a rat's ass about the safety of players and especially their superstars. Um but I love that Hyman said something about it. I love that Connor stood up for himself. Good for him. Because Edler, dude, you're just trying to stay relevant. You're a dirty player. Get the hell off the ice. Get the hell out of this league. Just no. Just it's you're done. That was uncalled. that was so unnecessary. To hit knee on knee. Make
3: it. Not only was it unnecessary, you know Connor's blowing by you. You stuck the knee out because you lost. You're a loser here. You stuck your knee out because you had nothing, no ability to defend him. And it's crazy that this shit happens all the time. It's
5: nuts. Nuts. Clean hit. Fine. But knee on knee? That is Bush League. So I don't know what the hell is wrong with you, Eler, but get lost. And with that, department player safety, you can get lost too. You don't give a rat's ass about the safety of your players. You're not going to do crap about anything. So, you know what? Like, you also can get lost. Like, screw you too. So ridiculous that this neonie stuff is going to go unpunished. It just—it blows my mind how terrible they are. You want to see a man, boy? I'll show you a
2: man kick me in the jimmy
3: for trilogy Oldfield rentals the righteous sack beating it's t- it's good to vent sometimes you know you gotta let it out if you want to participate in this bit hit me up with a voicemail just leave it as a rsb in there or a righteous sack beating i will bring it over and we will play it alongside mine we'll get your complaints out we'll vent we'll feel about good about it together And while we're at it too by the way Leave me some reviews. I'm looking at the Apple Podcasts app right now. No new reviews since October. Please leave me some reviews. Five stars, if you please, and then you can say whatever you want. I really don't care. Plug your own business. I don't give a shit. I'll read it anyway. Just give me five stars, and then I'll get bumped up in the algorithm. Just a little bit. Please. Please.
6: Please. please. You're already listening to Better late like Than never. Why don't you tell a friend? A human? A family member? Yes. Even if you run a hotel. Manuel! Hmm? Here we go here's review
3: yes. it's time for the voicemail. I see on my board here a random collection of names that there is no way any of these are going to make sense. I just again, if you don't know the bit if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I appreciate you. But I don't listen to these beforehand, and I'm looking at, uh, I've got messages from Nikolai Habibulin. I'm going to guess he didn't actually call. I'm going to guess he didn't actually call, but we'll get there. The first message came in uh, a couple of days ago. What say you, sir?
0: Fucking God damn it! why do you have to score, man? It's fucking 2-1. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Come on, boys, you can do this shit. Uh, did you
3: leave me in this during the Devils game? What's the date on this? Either way, I, I mean, coming in hot? Coming in hot.
0: <laughs> Wonder the influence of Mary Jane Watson. but, <laughs> but What I'm wondering is, <laughs> what is the craziest?
3: Well, then you need to mellow out, sir. You need to mellow out. Or, you know, get back on it.
0: <laughs> Play you've seen in sports or goal. So... Shit, I,
3: I missed that. I'm going to back you up a little bit.
0: The craziest. But, but what I'm wondering is, what is the craziest play you've seen in sports or goal? So like any sport, and what is the weirdest one you've ever seen? Like in any sport, it's so like crazy goal, crazy touchdown, we or like there. weirdest touchdown. How the fuck did he not get him? How did he not? How did he not score? Like that's that uh, whatever his name was in the in two thousand.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Old high guy I pressed the end message a little early uh, to answer the question. The craziest goal that I've ever seen it's easy. You've all seen it too. You've seen it a million times. Patrick stefan you should be embarrassed of yourself. That was one of the ones where you're never going to see it again. If you haven't seen it, I'll recap it quickly. The Oilers are playing the Dallas Stars, the Oilers had the empty net. To try and equalize the game, Patrick Stefan got a breakaway with said empty net. The puck bobbled over his stick. He fell down. Did not get a goal. The others turned it around, and Alshamsky ended up tying the game. That is easily without quite whoop. Bump my microphone there. That is easily without question the craziest goal I've ever seen. It's just weird. Again, you're not going to see a sequence like that in the NHL ever again. Uh, as for other ones, I was. Oh, here's another one. Here's a good one. I was at the game against Calgary in the playoffs. I think it was game four where Rasmus Anderson scored on Mike Smith from the other end of the ice. I was sitting right behind Mike Smith when that goal went in. So what I saw from my vantage point was the puck launching like six feet in the air. And I say, oh, shit, to my buddy that I was there with. I say, oh, shit, I think that's going in the net. And then, dunk right in the net. That is, again, another goal you're not going to see in a hundred years. I don't know what Mike Smith saw or didn't see at the time, but that was one of the weirdest ones ever. Fortunately, Ryan Nugent Hopkins got the game winner a little bit later in the game. It was not a blown effort by the Oilers, but ultimately, uh, that was just that was insane. That was an insane goal, and it was one of those ones where, in the moment, I was just devastated. Rogers' place went from being bumping. Pin drop quiet in a real hurry. Uh next message from Agent Carter.
2: Lee, get your ass over here and listen to the Better Late Than Never podcast of Bag melt Damn, I can't erect saw to give me some mo shoe.
3: <laughs> That's supposed to be Chris Tucker. Uh how many of you have Chris Tucker impressions in your repertoire? I didn't expect that. Agent Carter, thank you. Thank you. I also love the Rush Hour movies. Scott, what say you?
7: Hey, hello, Bag now Hey, Scott here. Uh, just wanted to share a little bit of a story. Uh, I think I may have fucked up. Uh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to bring the boys in from work. Uh, they also <laughs> fucked up
3: as well. Oh, okay, I like where this is going already. First of all, you're going to say that you fucked up, and then all of a sudden you're going to back the bus over the boys from work. I like this already, and we haven't even got started. Scott, hit me with that story.
7: Um, I'm kind of a superstitious man and uh well actually going back, uh last year Kane had a fucking unbelievable season mm-hmm. and uh me and the guys were pumped up. We're like, Oh yeah, if he re-signs over the over the summer, we're gonna all get Kane jerseys. So lo and behold he re signs over the summer and the season starts and we're like, you know what? Let's get these reverse retros that are coming out. At the beginning of the season, we'll get them for opening night. Sure shit. You know what? The reverse retros don't come out. They don't come out till I don't know when, like last week, which is yes. fucking stupid. And <laughs> we just went with the Royal Blues. But going back to how we fucked up is, uh, well, we put the order in. We got a smoking deal off the NHL shop. It was like 150 bucks per jersey, which is pretty good. We got the Royal Blues, and then the day the package comes in the mail, is when rain or not rain, Kane gets his uh, wrist slid open by fat pat. Fucking sucks. I feel like we may have really fucked up, but uh, you know what? We're gonna sport the jerseys anyways and uh, call it a day. Anyways, love the podcast. Bye.
3: You know what, Scott? I'm gonna absolve you and the team from work about all of that. I'm going to absolve all of you because let me tell you what, there is nothing. Nothing that tells me that that was bad luck because you guys were trying to support a new player buying the new, very, very sexy jerseys. Blue and orange, come on. Hold up. Wait a minute. You guys try to buy those in support of, of Vander Kane. And the fact that they came in the day that he got hurt and you ordered them that early, I'm going to say it's the NHL's fault. I'm going to say that they should have had those to you before that. And I'm going to say that had they had those to you before that probably would have happened. Or you could look at it a different way. If the NHL actually had referees that knew what they were doing. Probably wouldn't have happened either. If you remember, I still think he was slew footed leading up to Patrick Maroon standing on his arm. And had they actually called the slew fit as a trip, which it was probably wouldn't have happened. And we wouldn't even be having this conversation, Scott. So I'm absolving you and all of your work buddies. Cause you didn't do anything wrong. I was expecting a much different story than that. So I'm happy to take that off your shoulders. You didn't do it. You didn't do it. The NHL did it.
4: Hey, Bag Milk. I don't know if you happen to know if there's another autograph session uh, coming up in Edmonton for the Oilers.
3: I do not. Frankly, I, uh, before I get to the rest of your message, actually, you know what? I'll just play it and then I'll talk.
4: But I just thought I'd ask because I Googled around and I couldn't find anything. Um... Yeah. I was kind of just curious if you possibly knew anything
3: better. I don't, I don't know anything about anything. In fact, the Oilers don't uh, really do a great job of promoting their own shit. You know, maybe it's on Oilers plus, maybe we have to pay $8 a month or whatever that costs to be able to learn about autograph settings. Also just, you're asking the wrong person, Dan, because I'm not the guy that goes to these things. Was Kennedy. They love this shit. They live for this shit. Kennedy, my girl, our graphic designer at Weather's Nation, she went to the autograph signing, showed up way early, but what she did, and I loved, is she brought a little chair, and she also brought her laptop, and she was just working the whole time when she was in line. She's like, what's the difference if I'm doing this at home, or if I'm doing this at West Edmonton Mall waiting for Leon Dreisaitl to sign my shit? And there was none, so I love it. So maybe reach out to them, but ultimately I don't know if there was an autograph signing, or another one coming. I was just happy, I guess, for all of you that are into it that the Oilers brought it back. Me, I'm just, there is zero percent chance, zero, that I'm going to stand in line to get an autograph, especially stand in line for hours. Like some people were there for eight hours to get Connor and Leon's autograph. That ain't me. No, sir. I will give you six to seven minutes. Anything longer than that, I am out.
0: So, Baked Milk, I was thinking, uh, after listening to last week's episode, um, what are some weird foods? That I like, um, and I'll be honest, I really couldn't think of anything. Um, I'm a really picky eater. I always have been, and think I always will be. I don't like adventuring when it comes to food.
3: Nick, you're a young guy. I'm going to tell you, you need to check, you need to break that out of your system. You need to try different foods, different cuisines, different cultures. I'm going to break this out of you, Nick. As long as you keep, uh, you keep leaving me voicemails which I hope you do, I'm going to keep lecturing you until you go out and try new foods. Like, I don't know what your comfort level is. Like, is pasta too spicy for you? Like, is that adventurous? Like, just a spaghetti bolognese or something like that? Because if that's adventurous for you, I guess, well, hang on. You know what? We're going to listen to the rest of the message and then I will critique you.
0: I like what I like. I eat what I like and I don't venture much from that. Anyways, um, if I had to say something when I was a kid, I would just eat spices straight up. Like I'd go walk by and just take some oregano and just eat it. I thought that was normal. And I guess the one thing I do now is I'll dice up an onion, saute it with a little butter and just eat the onion straight up.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. You are saying you're not adventurous with food, which I'm like, I'm going to try and break you. I'm going to try and teach you something and I'm going to try and open your mind a little bit so that you grow up to be a more complete and well-rounded individual so that if somebody asks you to go for some dinner at a place you've never heard of before, instead of being like, Oh my Lord, I'm not going there. You accept it as a challenge. You accept it as an opportunity to try something new. That's the way I look at it. If you put something in front of me at a restaurant that other people have ordered, like I'm not talking about a trick meal, I will eat it and I don't even care what it is. I will just eat it if I'm in a different country and they put out 10 plates all of the same food and all everybody's eating except me I will eat it I won't even ask you what it is as long as it tastes good I will eat it so when you say that you will just chop up an onion and just eat the straight onion after it's been cooked slash melted and cooked in butter or whatever like (laughs) we really need to expand those horizons I don't want you eating onions man Like this is, this arguably could be one of the weirdest things that you said you didn't eat anything weird. Well, I don't know about this one. Like Kylie, my girl, Kylie with the ketchup on rice. I'm still thinking about that, but I can promise you that just eating onion like this,
0: just the onion. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit weird, but I think that's normal ish, (laughs) but
6: what do you,
3: (laughs) nope. Nope. There's nothing about just eating an onion. That's normal. Nope. Now, if you cook those onions like that and you're tossing on a hot dog or a burger or countless other things, I'm with you. But just, Nick, put your life together.
6: I personally suggest you listen to better late than never. However, you're hearing this, so you already are.
3: You're excellent. Go you. Shout out to Donkey Volley. My guy is putting in the work on this podcast. And I just want to say, Donkey Volley, I appreciate you. You rattled me when you told me your real name is Andrew, but ultimately I appreciate you. I like that you're here. I like that you make these things for me. All right. uh, Nikolai Habibulin has left me a message. I don't think it's actually him, but we'll see. Might be.
0: So, milk. the others took a big win against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's something you love to see. Um, Mm -hmm. I, unfortunately, was not able to watch the game because I was at work. But while I was at work, I had a conversation with one of my coworkers. Um, and we were talking about the schedule. Um, now, listen, I'm not a big believer in advanced stats, really. There's nothing that just kills a conversation. Like when you're arguing with someone and they bust out some made-up stat about how <laughs> the Oilers are the worst team in the NHL when it comes to X-rated grade-A grade shots in the interior slot. It's like, fuck off with that. <laughs> but I do feel like this is actually provides a lot of context in the stuff I've been seeing. Because I was talking with my coworker, who happens to be a Flames fan. And we've been both been saying, does it not feel like our teams have had a brutal schedule? Like, the Oilers have just been playing nothing but good teams. Good teams all the time. And I don't see anyone else talking about it. You know, Oilers Nation is how many goddamn podcasts? And I don't think a single one has talked about it. <laughs> so I went online. I came home. Uh, and I went and looked. The others have the, played the fourth hardest strength of schedule. The fourth hardest. The Calgary Flames are worse. The Calgary Flames have had the hardest schedule f- through their first 16 games. This is going to need
3: a part two. So before we get to part two, Nikolai happy bullen, um we did talk about this uh, on a nation radio yesterday, Rick actually brought up that the schedule that the others have is tough. And Tyler's response, I actually think is the right one where he just said, listen, if you got Stanley cup dreams, if you're a team that is expected to win the Stanley cup, you don't give a shit about your schedule. You're just going to beat whoever you need to beat. So look forward to part two, but I got a feeling that there's a, in between your part two. Oh, no, here we go.
0: Hey, big Melka. Uh, sorry for leaving so many voicemails, man. Um, <laughs> This I find the playing the schedule thing very interesting. Uh, I also find it very important, and uh, I hope some other people find it interesting too. Um, yes, good teams be good opponents. That is one thousand percent true.
3: That's what I just said, so I'm looking forward to your rebuttal sir. It's like we're actually having a live debate, you and I right now. I answered the first part. You're coming back, and you already got a response for me. I like this.
0: But when other teams are not playing good opponents, that's something you gotta consider. So I came home from work and I looked up the NHL strength schedule rankings. The Oilers are fourth place on that list. I should point out, they're going to go up the list. They're playing some tough teams in this next little bit here. Anyways, um, they have the average opponent ranking, which is what the site uses. Basically, it's where their opponent is in the standings when the Oilers play them. The Oilers have had an average opponent ranking of 14. The easiest schedule in the NHL has actually been the New Jersey Devils. This team everyone's praising has had the easiest schedule. Anyways, the average opponent ranking of the New Jersey Devils is 20th. The difference between 14th and 20th in last year's final NHL standings was a full 15 points. Hmm. Those teams, 14th and 20th, were the Los Angeles Kings and the New York Islanders. 21st place was the New Jersey Devils. So on average, the Oilers are playing last year's Los Angeles Kings. That's the intensity of their opponents. The Devils have been playing the Columbus Blue Jackets.
3: Yeah. I wonder if we got a part three here because I see another Nick. I'm just going to let him ride. I'm going to see I got another Nick coming up here. And what I want to say, though, is I like the research you're doing here. You're putting in the work. And I honestly, I find it a little bit ironic because you said you're not into the advanced stats. Was that you or was that somebody else? Doesn't matter who said it because you're giving me some advanced stats. I love it.
0: Hey, Big Mel, Just quickly wanted to wrap up uh, the voicemail on the strength of schedule.
3: <laughs> quickly wanted to wrap up. He sent me four and a half minutes of voicemail on the strength of schedule. I'm going to allow it. I like it. I think it's fun. So we're going to continue on with this. What I'm going to say, though, is the Oilers have a tough schedule right now. And you said the Flams did too. But there's going to be a point in the season where it flips, right? So we're getting all our difficult games out of the way early, Maybe. Dare to dream? You know? I don't know. Nick, what else you got for me?
0: Good teams beat good opponents. I know that. And at the end of the day, you know what? Everyone plays everyone. Not the same number of times, but everyone plays everyone. But we're at the point in the season where, you know what? I always thought, I always just said, American Thanksgiving is when you can really start to make judgments about your team. Well, guess what? American Thanksgiving, I believe, is this Thursday. It is. On average, the New Jersey Devils' opponent ranking has been twentieth.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: On average, the Edmonton Oilers' opponent guess, ranking has been.
3: I'm going to guess you're going to say fourteenth, right?
0: In fourteen, <laughs> the difference between the fourteenth place team last year and the fourteenth and the twentieth place team last year was a playoff team and a non-playoff team.
3: Didn't we already do this? I'm pretty sure you did this in part two. I'm pretty sure you did this in part two. I'm going to allow it. you are going to it wrap it up. was
0: fifteen points. Fifteen points. Good teams beat good teams. Mm-hmm. I one thousand percent agree with that. But when not everyone is playing good teams. It's something you got to consider.
3: You know it. All right, I'm going to wrap you up, Nick. We're kind of uh, kind of repeating now. If I didn't know better, I'd swear you're having a cocktail because the repeaters going a little bit. Um, so yeah, you're right. You ultimately got to win. The Oilers are win one, lose one, win one, lose one, and it's just not going to work right now, today, November 23rd, Wednesday. American Thanksgiving is coming up tomorrow. The Oilers are sitting outside of a playoff spot right now, and if you know the general rule about being in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving, this is not good. Fortunately, they're tied with Calgary and St. Louis, though those teams have the tiebreaker. They're right there. And I also am going to guess that, um, Seattle is going to fall off at some point as well, but we'll see. So anyway, the others are right in the mix, but you hundred percent, you, you got to beat good teams to be the best team. And when the schedule flips a little bit and the others have an easier ride, you got to make sure to win those two. That's the only way they're going to pull themselves out of it. It can't, you, we can't be caring if it's Colorado or Carolina or New Jersey or Seattle or Minnesota or any of the shitty teams in between or the Anaheim Ducks who are currently last in the Western conference. It doesn't matter. Ultimately at the end of the day, you got to beat them. You got to beat them all. And right now the Oilers aren't doing enough of it and they got to figure it out. Time's running out.
1: Hello, this is Kate, and my favorite gadget right now is my electric...
3: Ah, finally. Finally. Question of the week. Kate, I appreciate you. I'm going to back you up here. We're going to start over again so I don't interrupt you. Kate, as you were.
1: Hello, this is Kate, and my favorite gadget right now is my electric milk frother. Hmm. It was only about 40 bucks, and I realize it's not really a toy. It but, is. But... Um, It makes delicious, um, creamy, luxurious milk foam in about a minute. And I use it every day, and I'm low-key obsessed with it. And it's um, even if I'm having just a regular plain cup of coffee, um, that little bit of um, milk foam makes it taste extra delicious. So, yeah, that's it.
3: Kate, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And it's not a toy per se. But a forty dollar milk frother that you use every day is the exact same thing I'm talking about. This is the exact thing I'm talking about. That could be my ice maker. That could be the quesadilla maker. That could be the breakfast sandwich maker that I just saw came in from uh, from Corey on Twitter. Corey on Twitter said, "Bag milk. I get. I bought myself a breakfast sandwich maker, and even though I know it is a stupid one purpose." or one job tool, I use it most days and I absolutely love it. So you know what? That's what we're talking about. doesn't matter even if it's a waste of money. does not matter at all. I love it. And quite frankly, Kate, that voice, good for you. Laird, you're up first.
4: Hey, Bag Milk. What's up? My one take is Brett Kulak needs to quit taking his skates, to the canadian tire for the 16 year old (laughs) who doesn't know what they're doing to sharpen them because man does he keep falling over in inopportune times and i'm just like (laughs) oh
3: man that's hilarious ah brett kulak it is weird though that's happened what three times to him the guy's a good skater too that's why it doesn't make any sense to me like there's just something going on with his blades right now did he change brands or something did he change like the depth of the actual blade itself? I don't know what's going on with Brett Kulak right now, but that's very funny to me. Laird again.
4: I'm a huge yes, Pulley rv fan, mm-hmm. but man, lately, we're 20 games in, and he's just not showing what I want to see this year. And I'm not saying trade him, but I just want to see a little more to his game. Along with that, another player who's struggling and I'm really expecting a lot more from is Evan Bouchard. Last year, I thought he took that great step forward. And maybe that now that he's not playing with like Duncan Keith, it's not working, but, Oh, I miss having him score or get the slap shots through or anything. It just seems like he dumps the puck in and that's it.
3: Uh, Evan Bouchard is saying a lot of shit for those exact reasons. And it's like, I don't know how much of it was Duncan Keith. Maybe it's a lot more than I give Keith credit for, but man, he needs something good to go his way right now. He needs a goal. Yes, Pulley arby too. I, I like Yassa too. I have him on my team anytime, but right now he is not producing at the level that a $3 million player is. And Evan Bouchard is not producing at a level that a top four D man is. So we need some luck here. We need a little bit of luck. I might head into the streets and find a sacrifice, Something needs to be done, and I might just take it upon myself. Laird, I may need you as a an alibi here, pal.
4: Hey, Bag Milk. I'm just catching up on podcasts from a few months ago, hmm. and I'm just at the one where you asked, greatest sporting event we've ever been to. Yeah, please. I went to my first ever Oilers game. It was Oilers versus Colorado Avalanche on April 22nd, and the Oilers won 6-3, and it was just a beautiful game to go to. My next favorite would be anytime I get the opportunity to go to a Saskatchewan rush game lacrosse in Saskatoon is just amazing. The atmosphere is great. I would 10 out of 10 recommend it.
3: The only thing that bothers me about the Saskatchewan rush is that they didn't call them the rush riders. When they moved there from Edmonton, they had the opportunity. It was right there, man. It was right in your hand and you blew it. You blew it. Last voicemail of the week.
0: What's going on, big milk. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get this in in time. This might be a next week. Um, voicemail but what's a uh, gadget i have in my house that i like please um the one thing i have it's a it's almost like the slap chop uh mm. it's an onion dicer that's Fuck all you. i really use it for um i can't remember if i gave this voicemail or not but my weird snack that i ate that no one else does is i'll dice up a whole onion add a little bit of butter
3: I am now convinced that you were having cocktails when you left that message because there's no way you wouldn't remember telling me about eating just onion and butter. And the fact that you're leaving me a second voicemail on the same week and the same podcast to tell me the same thing, that is outrageous. Nick, what is going on at Shea Nick right now? What is happening over there? I appreciate the Slap Chop-like device. Again, it's a single-purpose tool that you have for the kitchen. I love them. I think they're very funny. But... uh Nick, what's going on with you in this onion thing, man?
0: And saute it and I'll just eat the onion straight up. You know, sometimes I'll just I just I just eat a bunch of onion, just not cook it. Love me some onion.
3: <laughs> that
0: slap chop so... thing
3: what the fuck? dices
0: an onion like there's no tomorrow. I I I'm okay with a knife too. But nothing beats that little little thin <laughs> dice up and sauteed with the butter. Oh, <laughs> mm. very good very good so it would be that weird weird thing
3: oh i love that you left me the same voicemail twice about weird shit you're eating and both times it's just as weird just sauteed onions i love sauteed onions too but i'm gonna put it on something you fucking maniac (laughs) Ah, nick you're the best i love it that wraps up the voicemail for the week If you're like Laird and just catching up on some of the old episodes, feel free to chime in. I love a throwback to some of the old questions. Best sporting event you've been to. Which oiler is your favorite, your first ever favorite oiler? Why did you fall in love with the team? What's the weird snacks you're eating? What's your favorite gadget you have in your house? Doesn't matter what it is. I'll just chime in. I'd love to hear from you. And there we have it. Another episode of Better Late Than Never presented by Betway, the audio department, and Trilogy Oilfield Rentals. I want to thank you, all of you guys for being here. The hockey game starts in 35 minutes. I'm just getting in under the wire. Probably when this gets posted, you're going to be like, Bag Milk, what are you doing? It's right at the game time. What's going on, man? Well, when you enjoy a 4-2 win tonight over the New York Islanders, hopefully that doesn't age poorly, you can come back to me and tell me how right I was. Until then, please share the podcast. Please tell your friends about it. It's growing nicely. We've stagnated a little bit as the seasons wore on. I'm going to get more guests on here, I promise. I was supposed to have a guest today, but just our schedules got mixed up and something happened. So I was supposed to have a guest today, so we ran a little bit long because I had booked off this time to do the show, and until then, we are going to say goodbye, and we are going to say go-oilers, and we are going to say, Nick, stop eating onion, for fuck's sakes. why won't you
6: kiss me?